CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the On Acquire podcast, a special live edition of this. Appreciate all you guys joining us on our live YouTube channel. It's Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper, and another big day for Illinois basketball. Derek Piper, as they do, in fact, land top 40 composite guard Jeremiah Fears, number 44 in the 24-7 sports rankings and number 31 in the composite. I know ESPN has him as a top 20 prospect nationally but another huge get kid out of joliet illinois fellow will county kid i always love seeing will county represented uh at illinois as a will county native myself but uh Derek piper uh, obviously a big addition for brad underwood and his team uh tell everybody what is illinois getting in jeremiah fierce four-star guard in the class of 2025 a guy who's got an insane amount of offensive talent Six foot three, just dynamic ball handler. Uh, we talked about it before, kind of comes from that Steph Curry generation. You can see it in the play style with uh, a deep assortment of tricks in his bag off the dribble, the step backs, just the, the the flow that he has offensively. There's really nothing he can't do in terms of getting to his spots, in terms of just having a, a really smooth jump shot. Now, we'll talk about some of the areas that he can improve, and one of those is getting more consistent from the outside. He's shown that in the past of being a, a guy that when he's on can be a knockdown shooter, but here of late, it's it's been a little bit more of a, a streaky deal with him from the outside, but uh, just someone that you can really build around what he already has, a, a very solid base, and exciting base offensively. I think when you look at him coming up as a prospect, of course, compared a lot to his brother, they played in the same backcourt of Joliet West and uh, Jeremy Fears Jr. being a eventual McDonald's All-American, a guy that was a high-priority target for Illinois for a long time until the very end. Uh, Fears Jr. is more of that pure point guard, that pass-first guy that uh, already has a pretty nice build to him. He's strong. He's got good burst, uh, good defender. Uh, Jeremiah is more slender, more of a scorer, and so there's some difference there as, as far as that goes. But uh, I think that in time, it'll be important for him to add strength. It'll be important, though. And I, I think one thing on that note, though, while he's been known as a scorer, I was really impressed this past spring and summer watching him Number one, he's playing up a level uh, with Brad Beal Elite on the UIBL. He's playing 17U as a 16-year-old uh, and a guy that they put the ball in his hands a lot. I thought that as a playmaker, a guy seeing the floor, I thought he showed encouraging signs for someone that is known more as a shot maker than he is as a set-the-table guy, a guy that sees things and, and makes other people around him better. So I think he's progressed in that sense. And you should continue to build on that. And the main things are get stronger, get more efficient with the, the, the outside shot in particular, and uh, but 
anyone that's ranked in the top 50, you're you're going to love adding that type of guy, especially one from your home state. And to get it done early, because I think a lot of guys who play as an, an underage guy on the 17 year circuit usually come back and, and explode that next year. And he's already got a lot of offers. If this thing were to, to drag out into the spring and the summer where maybe he has a huge EYBL coming up and maybe this thing really boils uh, in terms of the com- competition and whatnot, Illinois getting it done early is obviously a big asset for them to just get him on board. And just to put this in perspective, Derek, uh, I got a story coming out tomorrow about Brad Underwood, the highest rated guys that he has landed in his tenure. And it's kind of a fun exercise just to go through and see which of these guys lived up to the hype, which guys didn't make an impact, and, and maybe which guys were kind of underrated here. But he's number four, the fourth highest rated by the composite ratings at a 9881. That's just behind Adam Miller, who is a top 30 prospect, obviously, Io DeSumo. I know how big of an impact he made. And now the number one get that Brad Underwood has gotten is Merez Johnson after he rises a little bit today. We'll talk a little bit about Merez here before we get out of here. Uh, but that that's a significant recruiting win. Uh, so before we dive back into the on the court, what was the key? What stood out to you about Illinois' ability to land one of the better prospects in the country in Jeremiah Fierce? I think you have to start with the fact that they pivoted away from his brother. And I'll admit that I said it, and I think a lot of people wondered it, that it looked for a while like could Illinois really get in there and be a big time player uh, with that? And look, I mean, I, I think as things have gone along, it's shown the, the type of relationship that Jeff Alexander built with the family, able to massage some things out as, as things got a little complicated, the relationship complicated when you, you tell his brother that, Hey, you know, ultimately we're going in a different direction when essentially he was pretty much in the bag for Illinois at the time. And uh, he had a, a really nice landing spot and going to Michigan state and he's, it worked out fine for him. It's not like, you know, things fell off a cliff and, and he was left scrambling. But uh, you know how things work with the relationships and when uh, you might move a different direction or things don't work out, how that can that can sour relationships, that can poison the well, so to speak. You always worry about that those type of things. But uh, I, I think with Illinois, it's that uh, Jeremiah had legitimate and continued interest in the Illini. I think that the program's at a place where they just, there's an undeniable level of appeal uh, about what Illinois is doing right now. They're winning at a pretty good level, obviously needed in the NCAA tournament, but uh, consistently in the top tier of the Big Ten, uh, they've developed some guys that really Brad Underwood's been able to put on his resume of Io DeSumo and the way that uh, Terrence Shannon, since having him, has been able to add to his game and further his draft stock. And obviously Coleman Hawkins and just the career that Trent Frazier had as a guy that was uh, you know, an undersized scorer coming out of high school then became a great defender and uh, – type of, you know, all-league guy that's very well-beloved at, at Illinois. And I think for a home state, and, and his dad, Jeremy Fierce Sr., has talked a lot about this, is just the way you're remembered if you're a home state legend. If you're a guy that comes to Illinois, is one of their own and, and really shows out. And I think Illinois, with the way they did it with Iowa, of just branding him and marketing him and putting him on a, a stage to, to do all that he did and then obviously to, to be in a position to jump to the next level, those are all things that really appealed to the family that appeared to Jeremiah. And then obviously the the effort and the legwork that Jeff did, Tim Anderson jumped in on this over the last handful of months to, to up that effort. And then Brad did his part as well. So uh, they recruited him harder than really anybody out there. I think we can talk about it too. Some of the other potential threats I thought to Illinois early on, like a uh, Michigan, there's a lot of questions about Juwan Howard, Kentucky with Chin Coleman. They were flirting around for a while and, and, 
Cal was even out in Arizona back in the fall, but they never offered. So they, they weren't really that big player. Michigan State, I, I just don't think that was something that here recently they, they put a whole lot of thought to, into, and he wasn't uh, listing them on his top five. But I just think Illinois made the most sense. And then really it was more about could they close it now versus waiting it out and, and seeing how that would unfold. I do feel great for Jeff Alexander here. Um, you know, he he recruited Jeremy Jr. so well and had it there on a platter, right? And it's just the fit wasn't there. Uh, they decided with Ty Rogers, some other guys that they had, like, can they have another non-shooter on the court? Jeremiah's different than his brother, as you said, and, and he can he can shoot the rock. So um, one thing we we focus so much on in-state recruiting, and it's it's fun to talk prep recruiting again, Derek, because so much of it is transfer heavy. And I, hey, I understand why you're seeing the results with Illinois the last few years, but this would now be the fifth top 60 prospect that Brad Underwood has gotten since 2018. Io, Adam Miller, Ty Rogers with an asterisk because he'd moved in the final years a Michigan native, and Merez Johnson, but in though that a top tier of prospect, um, at least the ones who are staying closer to home or still live around here, they're doing well. And, and I think that's a sign of their resurgence. I think that's a sign of IO's success. Um, and I think it's a sign of how these younger guys now consider Illinois. Like Jer Jeremiah Fears probably does not remember a time that Illinois basketball was not good. The last time they missed the tournament, yeah, last time they legitimately missed the tournament, 2018, right? He was how old? 10? Nine? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, how much was he actually watching college basketball then? So I, I think Illinois has gotten past that time where people remember Illinois. It's like, yeah, that program's not that good right now. Like, and I think with John Gross, that became a problem. Like, people didn't see Illinois as 2005-2000s Illinois anymore. Most of those kids didn't remember Bill Self ever being at that program or remember watching Darren Williams. They remember watching Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn and, and now the guys who are playing out, Terrence Shannon, all these guys. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a sign of where this program has come under Brad Underwood on the court. Agree with all that. Yeah, it was hard for John to get that first point guard because you couldn't really sell – he struggled to sell DJ Cooper, who was at Ohio, and then not being able to, you know, you could talk about D Brown and Darren Williams, but those are guys that when you recruit at the time, the, the current generation, they, they didn't remember them all that well as far as them in college and whatnot. So having recent examples of IO and just being able to put a number of other guys that we've talked about in position to better their, their draft stock, in position to just be able to have a lot of success in college has, has been something that. Uh, they've been able to to show and showcase. So uh, the appeal of wanting to play at Illinois, where you, you're used to sell out crowds, you're used to national TV and in the conversation in the Big Ten and ranked a lot. Like those are things that they can go out and, and sell to people. And that's what Jeremiah probably associates with Illinois, which obviously wasn't the case a handful of years ago. So uh, I think that is uh, I think that. That with Jeremiah obviously was at play. I think another thing is is NIL, let's be honest. I think that you're now dealing with the current environment of, of NIL. And I think with the marketability of a home state guy, there, there's a lot of potential there. You're viewed differently and maybe even more of a attachment from the donor base, those that get involved in the NIL side to try to market him, to try to get those marketing deals. And then I think in general, Illinois has really shaped up well of having a strong NIL backing. So uh, we know that's played in the portal. I think that obviously is something that in recruiting you can utilize as well. And I think that that's something that 
Jeremiah and his family look at as well. Like this is not only about a, a, a spot to showcase yourself. This can be a, a business decision too. And I'm not saying it just came yeah. down to dollars and cents with him, but I think that was part of the conversation is, all right, we're going to find a place where you know, he's, he's a very popular player, but not only just in the state, but nationally, like he, he has a, a game that a lot of people just love watching and he's got 56,000 followers or whatever it is on Instagram. Like, this is a guy that's got a lot of natural appeal uh, that he wants to take advantage of. And Illinois is putting him in a position to do that. Just reminds me, man, I feel bad for Iowa that he wasn't here during the NIL era. Sheesh, right? <laughs> or, or D, obviously we talk about, but Iowa, man, like uh, just how much he's, he's beloved here. All right, Derek, how does he fit uh, on this team? I, it's so, it's so difficult of a conversation anymore. Cause you don't know if guys are going to stick around. Like, you know, Underwood's recruited guards pretty well. It's about keeping them around for a long time. I mean, you think of Jaden Epps and Sky Clark and Andre Cabello, Adam Miller, Brandon Pajimski. Like they're recruiting good talent there. But like, how do you think he fits with a Jace Butler and Merez Johnson in the class of of 2024? And potentially Ty Rogers, we, we think would be a part of this. Amani Hansberry, we think would be a part of this if these guys stick it out. Like, what do you think of that core and how Jeremiah Fierce fits in it? I like the fit a lot, especially with Jace Butler. I know we talked about that a little bit with the just differing play styles, different dynamic of as Jeremiah adds to his frame, he'll be a sl more slender type of guard. But having a, a bigger body guy like Jace at 6'4", who's strong, uh, he'll be able to just be able to seek out the the proper matchups for him. But uh, as you see here, a guy that can just go get you one. Um, and that's always a, a good thing to be able to break down a defense. And, and like I said, as he's developed in terms of seeing the floor that he showed over the summer, I think you can play either Jace or Jeremiah on or off the ball. Two guys that can push it in transition, whatever the other one gets it. So uh, I think Jace is more the the natural playmaker, the more natural pass first type of operator. And I think as of Illinois, just thinking about big picture and down the, the road right now, they'll probably think of Jace more of that, that playmaking guy that they'll maybe run some more stuff through, but, uh, and while and then Jeremiah can maybe be opened up for spot up sh shots and, and just running him off of screens and some things to get him looks. But as you see there, I mean, he's, he's got an ability even as a secondary creator to find other guys too. So uh, put that with Merez Johnson, who's just on the fringe of being a five-star. And I love that. I wrote it in my, what it means piece, like to have Merez and Jeremiah, both of that USA basketball minicamp, Back in October, I mean, there was a stretch there where Illinois did, didn't see a lot of guys that Illinois was uh, attached to that were, were playing in those. So Yeah, and Io, Adam Miller were both part of Team uh, USA. Yeah, and like – Ty Rogers as well, yeah. yeah I, Ty, I forgot Ty Rogers too. Thanks for adding that. Like uh, having those guys around, Derek, dudes recruit dudes. Dudes want to play with dudes. Kofi came here in large part because Io was here, uh, right? So like – when you get these level of prospects, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier. Uh, Brett Bielma says it all the time. Like the players recruit each other as well as anybody. So to, to get guys that are playing at that level, they know Jeremiah and Merez are, are going to Illinois. And of course they're a year apart reminder. There was some talk of, of Jeremiah reclassing in 2024. He is a class of 2025 guy. So he's still two years away uh, from coming to Illinois. But um, I think that's just another sign of, yeah, guy, guys know, some guys go to Illinois and play good basketball. Like, you know, we'll see what happens with Terrence Shannon with everything off the court, but with everything checked out, like he's an NBA level player. Coleman Hawkins is an NBA 
level player, right? And uh, we think Merez can be that. We think Jeremiah Fears has a ceiling of being that. Obviously, there, there's a long way to go, but it's just uh, another example of Illinois having more of a national presence when they're playing for USA Basketball. 100%. And yeah, he has the attention of, of people like those that are making the decisions on who to invite to USA Basketball, and you, you even get NBA scouts going to those type of things. So I think that they they see him, and I've heard this from people even outside of of Jeremiah's camp, is just, you know, he's viewed as the the current age of guard that you see in the NBA, a scoring guard that can can make some uh, – do a lot of things off the dribble and then will develop in time as a playmaker. But to circle it back to what you said about the, the foundation, I think Amani, there's a lot to be excited about if, you know, he sticks through the process and, and how he develops in that front court with him and Merez Johnson, two guys that you know, Amani was ranked in that top 50, top 60 range. And then obviously Merez – uh, very highly touted as as well. I think the wings is still the one thing that you kind of look at and say that that needs to be the the filler. And really, Brad, the last handful of years has gone to the portal to really get those those wing additions. So um, how that plays out, and I know you know attrition always happens, and then um, you just don't know as, as far as the portal additions too. But I think in the backcourt, particularly, like Dre Gibbs Longhorn could still be in the mix when when Jeremiah shows up. And I think that would be interesting how that plays out. And, and yeah, it'd be great to have him. It'd be great to have him in that mix. I think Dre adds a little something different too. I think he's would be the most athletic of the three between Jason and Jeremiah and himself and uh, a guy that can do a lot in transition and be a really good defender. So I, I like the foundation that they've built so far. And uh, again, it's, it's hard to project too far because we're talking two seasons away and then the portal and whatnot, but uh, just to, to get these type of, of guys and to see the even the developmental pieces or the under-the-radar pieces that you get, like a Jason Jackson, like a Jace Butler, then rise in the rankings after you got them, yeah. shows that those might have been pretty good evaluations. Yeah, I, I made this kind of comp. This is just kind of the way they play. It's not like this is definitely going to happen, but you know, Jace Butler and Jeremiah Fears remind me of what Michigan State has in its backcourt right now with A.J. Hogarth, this big-bodied kind of – pass first guard and he can shoot it a little bit um he's just not as dynamic off the dribble but then jeremiah fears kind of reminds you of tyson walker with his ability just that first step to get by people to be maybe a secondary ball handler and create for others but just go off uh at, at times so uh that'd be a, that's a pretty good backcourt no matter what you think about michigan state that, that's a pretty good backcourt so i think that could be kind of the the, the blueprint uh for what illinois is doing here derek you mentioned a little bit adding strength of course for any 16 17 year old it's going to be really really important but what what else is key to jeremiah in his developmental process once he gets to illinois basketball i think with the strength piece it'll help him to be more competitive at the defensive end uh, and just being able to hold his own and i'm not saying he's a he's a bad defender or anything like that uh, I, I don't honestly it's still a little early to to judge that but uh, i think that as he adds strength it'll allow him to just handle contact that obviously you go through at the defensive end, and then when you're going off the bounce and kind of really getting into the teeth of the defense, the bumps that you take, guys trying to knock you off balance, guys trying to push you off your spots, uh, that's something that he needs to get. But like you said, anybody that's, that's 16 years old, you're you're, at, you're talking about a weight room, you're talking about the difference between what they're doing now versus when they get to college. But uh, the shot making, he's he's got deep range. I like his, his release is really smooth, uh, but he's got to make it at a, at a higher and more consistent clip like he did, I think, earlier in his – his high school tenure when he first came up with Juliet West and like, okay, this is a prolific shot maker. He's a little on the, he's a little small. Will he grow that? Those are type of things that 
you wonder with him early now that he's grown a little bit. Uh, and it, look, he's he's playing high level of competition. I'll give him that. That's one thing that you look at the UIBL, you look at playing at Arizona Compass Prep, playing a national schedule. It could be he could have stayed at Juliet West or obviously been in another high school situation where he could be putting up a lot maybe more efficient numbers, higher scoring numbers, but not facing the level of competition. But if you do look at it, I think it was 28% from three in the EYBL last year. Uh, and then this year, still some of the, the streakiness from the outside shot has, has shown up as well. So uh, just really dialing into that and being able to knock it down and uh, continue to build on some of the encouraging signs as a playmaker. I think that's really key as a, a guy that's six foot, between six two, six three, and he's listed at six three. If he's going to have the ball in his hands, be able to, to see the floor and, and make good decisions. And that's to have multiple capable ball handlers and guys that can make other guys better, guys you can run offense through. That's when an offense can really click at a high level. And, and it's harder to lock in on maybe one in particular guy if if more can be that versatile and, and dynamic. Especially when you can still keep size with Jace Butler at 6'4". And, you know, Jeremiah, they got listed at 6'3", even if that's a 6'1 or 6'2 in real life. Like, that's still not a tiny guy we know brett underwood doesn't like tiny guards as, as he likes to say all right this is the start to the class of 2025 derek what should we it's early uh they just wrapped up class of 2024 but what should we expect in that prep class and who are some guys to know that that jeremiah fears uh could be playing alongside in a few years i think there's a lot of ability to be able to add more be more aggressive and taking more high school prospects in this class and we'll see if it plays out that way it's just the way that Brad and the staff have talked about it because you look at 24, they didn't want to overstack up because you can go back in the portal, which you'll always be able to do, but there's just going to be more guys in the portal or just the the current volume that we're seeing will be the same this upcoming off season because you have another cycle of free COVID year guys. And after this, and the other thing, cycle, the other thing, Derek, is you lose five seniors, right? Yeah. Like I've really in <laughs> Hawkins, Shannon, Damas, Carmen, Gary, so you don't want to load up on prep guys in this class when you got to replace production, even if you have some promising young talent. 100%. Yep. And I think that as you look this offseason, if there is an opportunity to take some multi-year guys that you like, then maybe that would affect yeah. how large the 25 group is. Obviously, Jeremiah is someone that they really loved enough and talented enough. They wanted on board early. I think wings, like I said, will be something that they will look at. Then again, that's not to say that they won't still kind of lean into having some of those positions be portal um, avenues. So they'll really try to get some older guys that have played in college that are, are physically strong. You're still going to want Brad's still going to want older teams. I don't, I don't think that all of a sudden it's going to be another group of just, you know, freshmen and sophomores largely uh, as you know, we saw last year was a large part of their, their roster. So, uh, but in particular, uh, I think, with the wing group, with also uh, the forward, you know, kind of the four spot. I think they've got the five pretty well figured out with with Merez, with with Jason, who can play a four or a five, I think, probably more so a stretch four at this point, although he's a, he's a year or so once he even gets on campus away from being a guy that impacts you. Amani, we'll see. Like the jump shot can maybe allow him to play a little bit more four, but I still think small ball five is something that, is probably his biggest strength right now. I think the way he compliments Merez will be interesting, but uh, I, th I think they will be aggressive uh, with some national guys. Like uh, Chuck Love is someone at La Lumiere that's 6'6", is a, uh, a guy that's from the Midwest. I believe he's originally from Nebraska that Chester Frazier is really locked in on, and uh, he's 
good build, able to go to the rim and, and also shoots it at a decent clip, kind of in that, that top 50 range. Uh, as far as rankings, definitely in the top 75. Uh, Jeff Alexander will try to follow this up with uh, he really loves Nicholas Kamenia, who's out on the, the West Coast, California. They're battling UCLA. Well, I know he's not in a good place right now in terms of their current team, but Gonzaga has done a pretty good job. He's, a, he's like a 6'8", really skilled guy, kind of emulates a little bit of like a Robbie Hummel type. Gonzaga, man, not even ranked, not going to make the tournament. Hey, UCLA, yeah. Nick Cronin, man. I imagine covering that guy right now. He seems like a, a cheery fella. Um, I know, right? But, but the yeah, open it for Jeff. I mean, I open up there. A guy who deserves probably some good karma because of uh, what happened with Jeremy Fears Jr. And then I got him having to, anytime he checks a mock draft and seeing Zachary Perrine on there, it's got to just make him really uh, probably stick to his stomach because that was a bad break for, for Jeff. But uh, yeah, just kind of, the, and then we'll see what happens with Phoenix Gill, a guy I talked to at the game yesterday, and, and we'll see where things go from here. But uh, they'll look. Uh, and stayed at a guy like that as well. And, and further down, like 26 with uh, with Solarski, Gabe Solarski uh, from Bennett Academy, 27 with the freshmen that are in that group, Jackson Davis, Davion Thompson. Just so stay just, home, kids. Stay, yeah. stay in Illinois for a while. Everybody's going to prep school. Some of these in-state guys, guys from the state, obviously Jeremiah Leppa came back, uh, will be coming back. Uh, there's a lot of potential to, to continue this role of – Let's keep some of the top guys in the state. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. Yeah. All right. Uh, I do want to talk about the rankings updates today at 24-7 Sports for the class of 2024. Merez Johnson up to number 27. Which puts him, Derek, as we talked about earlier, he's now the highest ranked, highest rated prospect that Brad Underwood has gotten. And kudos to the Illini staff, because at one point, like everyone was talking about James Brown at St. Rita is this top 30 prospect. And Merez was kind of this maybe rawer prospect, but uh, Illinois was recruiting both heavily, but Merez was their guy. And he's kind of like in the 60s uh, at that point. He's now up to number 27 in the rankings, and they held on to him throughout that entire rise. Merez has been all Illinois the entire time. He's come to campus almost every other home game, it feels like, during the last two years. Uh, but uh, what a rise for him, Derek. What, what do you see as the reason behind how has he gotten better since he committed to Illinois? He's been able to add more polish offensively, and that's I know a lot of people usually associate it, and I think it's key, uh, especially when you think about NBA potential and whatnot, the jump shot, but – uh, just the ability to finish left hand, right hand around the rim and being a little bit more diverse in the way you can score it. I, I think early on it was a, a catch and dunk guy, not a guy that even back to the basket was making a lot of those moves comfortably. He was just kind of just still learning and 
and having to add that to his game. But uh, over the uh, over this past summer, seeing him in UIBL, where obviously he dominated at Peach Jam, was probably the best big man uh, amongst a national group of of prospects. Like the ability to obviously be a monster on the glass, which he's pretty much always been. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very active and athletic defender, very good rim runner, but to be able to get it inside and, and face guys up and drive them a little bit to be able to, to spin off one way and finish with a left and offhand potentially. So he's been able to just refine his offensive game. And in the meantime, has gotten a little bit better with the jumper, like can actually shoot it from three and, and has, has made some of those. He's made some 15 to 18 feet, feet jumpers uh, here recently. And then he's just continued to get stronger He's just physically dominant in a lot of instances against other people. So uh, I think that it's just been a, a guy that's added more confidence offensively too, and then just continuing to to build on what are already great strengths of his, which is his motor, his toughness, his rebounding, and, and all of that. So um, fans should be thrilled about what he's putting together and, and wait until he gets with Fletch and, mm-hmm. oh boy, look out. Yeah. So the other thing, Jester Frazier, what a win. Jace Butler rises at the beginning of September, Derek, he was number 270 in the country when Illinois was pushing when him and Mikey Lewis both decided to visit campus. Then he commits to Illinois, rises a little bit up to 168. He just earned a fourth star today by 24-7 sports. He's up to 95, one of the top 100 players in the class of 2024. Um, What did Chester Frazier get right and what took us a while to catch up to him? Well, he saw the fact that this is a guy that, you know, I think from a standpoint of a recruiter, you, you trust your eyes, you trust your ability to to go and 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 recognize building blocks, things you can can get out of a player, not just rely on on rankings and whatnot. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches like to say, but uh, yeah. they and look, I mean, Jace, part of it is he's maybe playing at a smaller high school out on the West Coast, uh, just outside of San Francisco and. Uh, then to go, I mean, he did play in the Adidas circuit uh, as far as AAU goes. But when you look at, it was really June that at a big event in Phoenix, Section 7, that uh, I know that they were already aware of him, but Jeff Alexander was out there and saw him and was really impressed. I know that he was one of the standouts there. But at the time, he just re- really wasn't a recognizable name of the national scene or a guy that had high major offers at all. And Illinois made the call to, to, to push for him. And uh, mm-hmm. the fact that it wasn't like, he jumps in the rankings and then you respond to that and try to get in there. You had to make a call and a tough one maybe at the time. And, and one that I think some fans who weren't familiar with him and got familiar with Mikey Lewis and liked him and understood he was a top 100 recruit. Like, what are we doing here? We're taking a guy that's unranked. And, uh, you know, Lewis is a four-star top 100 guy with high major offers. But uh, Butler, as you've, you've seen highlights and just stat lines that he's put up in high school, he's having a really good year. And then once I – had a reason to, to obviously dive in and, and watch some more of his stuff. I just, we talk about his size, talk about his feel for the game. Uh, and then just a great, a great pull-up jumper. It's very smooth. And uh, I think the three, the three ball, which when you look at some of the stats over the summer was inconsistent. It looks like he's getting that up a little bit better and being able to knock that down. So that was one that they felt like was an underrated guy that they always had confidence in. They, they thought he was severely underrated and now, um, yeah. I'm sure that they're they're happy to see him in the top 100. Don't care about the they won't care about that though. <laughs> it's yeah. good to have. It's good to have a four star yeah. there. Uh, Jason Jackson, number 117, still uh, on the fringe of that three star 
uh, rating there, just down a little bit from 110. It's probably guys rising a little bit uh, in that. Anything else you want to add on the recruiting side? I got one more thing I want to hit on, Derek, before we get out of here. Um, no, I think this really in, in terms of, like I said earlier, like being able to lock this thing down now uh, to not push this thing. Cause when, when he decided not to reclass to 2024, I, I think part of his original setting of the, I think it was January 13th. He originally said as his decision date that coincided with momentum moving towards his idea of, of reclassing to 24. Then when he decides not to do that, it seemed to open things up a little bit and maybe he'd wait longer. How long would that take? The fact that Illinois kind of, kind of, pushed the gas and, and said, you know, we'd really like to to close this thing down and, and make sure that we don't go out and, and recruit other people at your position, that you don't then uh, push this so far that then it, it kind of uh, gets gets murky is, is in terms of the com, com, competition and whatnot. That Illinois was recruiting in the hardest, had a great, great sell, and, and they pushed him to make a decision, and he did. So that will help because I wouldn't be surprised he goes EYBL and lights it up, and maybe then Kentucky would have wanted him or – uh, a Kansas who offered him, who wasn't really recruiting him all that much, would have picked things up and or so on and so forth. So I think it's just the timing wise helped Illinois a lot. And you got to give him credit for locking it down. Uh, one piece of news I want to hit on today before we get out of here, because uh, I'm sure there's an Illinois assistant that will be attached to this, is DePaul has uh, fired coach Tony Stubblefield, who had a very bad tenure. Uh, just two years, but 25 and 39 overall, a 39 uh, percent winning percentage that follows uh, Dave Latow's second stint there that did not go very well. Oliver Purnell before that in five seasons went 54 and 105. Jerry Wainwright before that 59 and 80. Uh, it's a program that people around the 80s remember as could be one of the nationally relevant programs, but man, they haven't been to an NCAA tournament since 2004 i was in high school i had a full head of hair at that time derek um this is this is a program that has really really struggled but um you know tim anderson was an assistant coach there i'd imagine he's gonna be somewhere on this list my opinion derek they have to go get a proven head coach like they they need maybe it's a bounce back guy but i i just think they need to to throw a bunch of money out there and get somebody who might be on the bounce back might be willing to take what has been one of the worst high major jobs here uh, of the last two decades. But man, like DePaul basketball should be better than this. I know, you know, having an off-campus place, but Winchester Arena is a nice place. Uh, but they got to get somebody to energize that fan base. For sure. It's a really tough job, which shows there in the, the records that the previous coaches have had. I, I think that it's tough when you're in Chicago, which is so many presences there recruiting-wise, that it's going to be really hard to get the top talent, you know, with Illinois being up like they are, with it being so close to to different outlets for Big Ten schools to come in there. And and really, you know, if you're at the national level, you're talking Kansas, you're talking Kentucky, Duke and whatnot. So but there is a nice realm of, of next tier guys uh, in terms of not to say that they couldn't, you know, ha- get the right guy with a, with a, a good appeal there and, and re-energize the program and maybe drum up enough NIL money to keep some of that talent home. Uh, it does help that the transfer portal is there to even pick up some scraps from other places that maybe didn't work out and get a guy on a second run in terms of bringing somebody in. So I agree with you as far as a name. I just think you kind of got to – I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked or just if I'm advising to think outside the box a little bit. Like I got a name. I got a name. All right. Like I, 
I, I would. These are a couple other names. I got. I got one I really love here. Uh, the Illinois fans would probably be interested in. I, I don't think they're going to steal this guy at this point because he's having a good year. Like if he was having a worse year, you might have a parachute job available for him. Porter Moser loves Chicago. He's such a huge Cubs fan. He misses going to, to Wrigley Field, I'm sure. But he's got things going again at Oklahoma. They'll probably make the tournament. But I would throw a bunch of money at him to see it. Bounce back guy, Bryce Drew. I, I think yeah, Bryce Drew, what he's doing at Grand Canyon, I think he can fit there. I think he's a good coach. Uh, Vanderbilt is a very, very tough job along the lines of, of a DePaul. He was getting some talent there. It was still one of his first jobs. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if, if they could get somebody like that. Um, you know, Brian Wardle's doing really well at Bradley. I know it's just a minor step up for him, but it is a little bit of a step up. But I got the name. Depends on something else happening. But stick with me. Juwan Howard. If if Michigan moves on from Juwan Howard, I think DePaul would hit a home run with him. You can question some coaching things. You can not look, but him coming home to Chicago. The old heads would love that, Derek. He can get talent. We have seen that. And you talk about a nationally relevant hire. Like, think of the names I just laid out. Dave Laytow, uh, Jerry Wainwright, Oliver Purnell was at Clemson, did a pretty decent job there. And then, you know, like Stubblefield, an assistant coach at Oregon, right? Like, you get you on how people are talking about you. Like, the Chicago media outlets are wanting to talk to you and go cover your games. Uh, so if, if if that does happen, I I, I think Juwan Howard would probably still want to make a lot of money in his life, and DePaul can pay him a lot of money more than the NBA is an assistant job. Like he, sorry, uh, Gus, I I don't think the NBA is clamoring for Juwan Howard as a head coach, as, as you said the other night. But like I, I think that could be a really good fit for for both sides there. It's very interesting, and I, I get it. Like as far as the. The presence in Chicago, a guy that's really well liked. Whatever whatever gym he's going to walk into from a recruiting standpoint, uh, that that'd be very interesting. It'd be a splash hire that would get a lot of headlines and get a lot of attention, and uh, a nice fresh start for him. Uh, if you want to think outside the box and think big, Derek, that's my name. Yeah, Jace could uh, transfer from Michigan and be able to play his like COVID year over there, and uh, then he can tussle with some some more. Uh, a new crop of heated coaches. Uh, you get you get Hurley at UConn. You get Patino at St. John's. Uh, there's a there's a lot of fire and spiciness that could you know be available to him in a different conference as well. So DePaul should look at St. John's and say we have to do something like that. Will Wade has been a name that comes up. Sure, like I that that would make me feel icky. But uh, Will Wade can coach and win basketball games and get talent. Um, so. They got to do something like that. They can't. They can't go this. I mean, I think Chris Lowry would be a good candidate, the Northwestern assistant, bounce back SIU head coach from a couple of years ago. Like he'd shown he can be a head coach and run a program, but I, I think they got to do something bigger than that. We'll see if they do. Yeah, and I know. Uh, is it Josh Shirts from yeah. uh, Indiana State who's doing a good job there? But I don't know if that's a sexy enough name. I, that's, it's interesting. Maybe you would. How about this? John John says, hire the other Patino, Rich Patino. New Mexico is oh probably God. a better job. <laughs> yeah. He's doing really well at New Mexico. Yes. So He's doing a good job there for sure. Yeah. Right. Tim Anderson, would you would you just say, hey, let's just try to funnel mean streets to DePaul and see if that works? That's a that's a man. If if that would be out, he'd be on my list. I, I just and I, I think Tim's a good coach. I, I it'd think be very, it'd be risky. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you look at Roger Powell who was a more proven assistant coach. Like would they look at Roger who's having, I think a pretty decent year uh, at Valparaiso, but it's his first year as a head coach. That would make more sense than Tim Anderson to me. I, I think there's got to be another step before you get to the, to the high major level, which DePaul does not act like a high major, but they are in fact a, a big East program. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. It, it's just amazing how bad they've been for so long. Josh Passner is another name that's come up. I like Josh. Why don't you just look at the field of 68's rotating crew of <laughs> right. fired coaches. Um, Chris Mack, do you want to get back Chris in the Mack. Do you want to get back in the business? I think a media gig is better than, <laughs> than the DePaul. He's enjoying that probably a little bit more. All right, Illinois, another big addition. Jeremiah Fears coming to Champaign in 2025. Adds to this really impressive list of talent. I guess Jeremiah said A.J. DeBansa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Five-star recruit in the class of 2025. Says he's recruiting him. Derek, yeah. uh, do you want to comment on that? Uh, it's swinging pretty high. And uh, like I said, uh, Jeremiah is uh, number one well known class of 2025, by the way. Yeah. Well-known guy uh, that has relationships across his dealings in USA basketball, uh, he, Nike, EYBL, and whatnot. I don't know. That's probably not something that Illinois is going to be able to to pull off, in my, in my opinion. But it's interesting he dropped the name, and he's got some time to maybe work on it. I don't know. Okay. All right, we got one more name, a couple people. Brian and Mark both say D. Brown at Roosevelt. That's a big leap. That's a big leap up from Roosevelt D2. Uh, to that, but hey, he's doing a pretty good job so far. Uh, Isaac Trier did a great feature on him, by the way. Go check that out if you haven't a, a couple months ago. But D seems like he's, you know, at least on a path here, uh, taking a, a road less traveled, might get a D1 opportunity here down the line. That'd be another one that would make a little bit of noise. Now, he has even offered up that being D that he'll recruit guys that don't know who he was as a player, so that's something yeah. that he would have to. The battle, but in terms of like an infectious personality and a hard worker and a guy that's respected by Chicago, you can do worse than D Brown, in my opinion. And I, I would love to see him get another chance at the D1 level, uh, even if it is like you know, a, a higher paid assistant than jumping up. But yes, eventually, uh, seeing him back is something I, I hope we get to see 19 and 10 last year, 16 and two to start this season for D Brown. Yeah, if I were Juwan Howard, I'd hire D. Brown as my head assistant. That's what I would do. Yeah, it'd <laughs> be a pretty good path right there. All right, for Derek Piper, everybody, thank you for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Almost 500 people here live on the live stream. We appreciate you guys. Hit the like button on the way out. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell as well. Uh, we will be back after the Northwestern game. Uh, as Illinois heads on the road, Terrence Shannon heads on the road for the first time since returning to the team. So it'll be very interesting uh, to see that as well. But thank you for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. And everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Choir podcast. is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. 
The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.